Nashville Predators are officially on vacation, and they started off on a high note. A win over the New Jersey Devils, one of the best teams in the NHL, and that closed-door meeting from last week is still looming large over this team, especially with one player in particular who had a big night last night. We'll get into it on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. Every single day, we are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast. That's available to you wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, which is now the official sportsbook of Locked On Predators. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Ann. Big night at Bridgestone Arena. It was the last game uh, for the Nashville Predators for just under two weeks. Uh, They have their bye week next week, and then they have the all-star break uh, the weekend after that. So everybody except UC Saros is going to get a nice vacation. We wanted – he'll still get a vacation. I mean, he gets to go to the all-star game. That's pretty cool, right? Is it? I mean, look, if you – I mean, it is. It is cool, and it is well-deserved for UC Saros, and I hope he has the best time. But I also hope the players don't send him postcards from the Maldives. <laughs> yeah. That's just or, mean. Or Sweden or Switzerland or yes. everybody. You just see him just staring at his phone in a dressing room with Stuart Skinner as everybody else is doing like that scene from Wolf of Wall Street where they're dancing to hip hop hooray on top of a yacht yes. somewhere. Yes. I assume that's how the Nashville Predators travel, right? Uh, Matt Duchesne actually said last night he's going uh, back to his hometown and going to do some ice fishing and pond hockey. So I'm thinking that might look a little different, but I'm betting most of the other teams on the yacht. Do you think he'll have hip hop hooray blasting Not while he's ice fishing? Even a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Maybe, maybe somebody other than Matt Duchesne, who's yeah. like a country music guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the point stands the Nashville Predators wanted a big win to go into the break on and boy, howdy, they got it. Not only that, but three straight wins after that team meeting from last week, more on that team meeting in just a second, because it feels like that's still looming large when you talk to some of the players and coaches, but let's get to the game last night. Shall we? Ann? because this was insane. Yes. Back and forth uh, all game long. Uh, it was like watching a boxing match. There was a punch and then a counter punch right after that, just back and forth. Uh, after the second period, tied 3-3. You weren't really sure which way it was going to go. And then big goals about halfway through through Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg uh, put the Preds up 5-3. 
hairy moments late when the goalie pulled. Uh, Dawson Mercer scored off of a wild sequence after like five, six rebounds. <laughs> UC Saros did everything it could. Kind of made things hairy. Yeah. But then Tanner Janot, second game in a row, the empty net goal to finally put this thing on ice at the very end. And one word to describe last night's 6-4 win over the New Jersey Devils. Mm, this was this was such a great game. But for me, my one word is reboot. So look, full disclosure, technology is maybe not my expertise, as Nick could probably attest to this morning. Uh, but sometimes when something isn't working quite right on a computer, you kind of fiddle with it. You tinker with it. You refresh the page. You, you know, try something else. You go about it a different way. You make these little adjustments to try to see if you can get your computer running better again. But sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and you have to just do a full reboot. You just have to control alt delete that thing. And I feel like that's what the Nashville Predators did. And you see it in last night's game. Last night's game just showed that there's kind of been a full reboot for the Predators, especially in these last three games. But last night against the New Jersey Devils, I mean, this is a team that hasn't lost in regulation since the beginning of January, you know, earlier this month. This is such a great team. They're a good road team. For the Predators to come out and play the game that they played, like you said, I mean, it took them till the third period to get a lead. They played from behind or tied. Uh, this was just a whole control-alt-delete for this Nashville Predators team. It was a complete reboot. And look, things are running swimmingly for the Nashville Predators as they head into this break. So for me, it was reboot. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that reboot came from that Saturday meeting, which again, yeah. we're going to talk about. We talked about it a lot this week, mm -hmm. but the reason we have it is because it seems like it still keeps popping up. And it seems like it's a turning point. Yes. For this team. And you wonder, you watch how they play, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but it's just like, you know, you see pieces that it's like, you know what? I know the national people may not, you know, look at this from the outside looking in, but you see the way the Preds are playing and who they're beating, and you kind of start to wonder, it's like, you know, maybe this is a team that makes noise down yeah. the stretch, maybe in the postseason. Maybe this is, you know, a lot of people, you know, I was listening to a podcast today, Puck Soup, and they were like, yeah, Nashville's just kind of going to be that easy first round out for a lot of people. And I'm not convinced. I mean, maybe they get knocked out in the first round, but maybe it's not as easy as everybody thinks. Mm -hmm. For yeah. me, and I am going one word, and that's golden fiddle. Because if you remember the Charlie Daniels, oh come on, the song "The Devil Went Down to Georgia," except mm -hmm. we're changing it to "The Devil Went Down to Bridgestone," <laughs> looking for a win to steal. He <laughs> was in a bind because Dawson Mercer was—I don't know—finish you the song yourself. It was—it was good. I liked where you were going with it. Yeah, um, but yeah, hey, the song uh, "Devil Went Down to Georgia." It's back and forth, too. You know, the devil gets up on his hickory stump. He starts doing the fiddle. There's just, like, hardcore rock and roll, like, guitar solos in the background. And you did, it's like, man, the devil's bringing it. Just like the New Jersey Devils were bringing it mm -hmm. last night. And you're like, you know what? 
Devils are pretty good. This is a tough team, uh, and they are certainly doing a lot of things right in this game as well. You know, this isn't like a one-sided, you know, Nashville just dominates the thing. Like, Devils, we're bringing it. And then Johnny gets his fiddle up, and he's like, yeah, that's pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there. I'm going to show you how it's done. And then he just tears the house down. And it's like that, to me, was the Nashville Predators. It's like, you know what? New Jersey Devils, boy, they did a lot right in this game. Uh, They certainly, like, you know, if the roll score was reversed, you could say, boy, they deserve to win this one as well. But it was the Predators that had the better fiddle, fiddle solo right at the end. They were the ones that wound up with the better performance. Two really good performances. It just Nashville happened to have the better one last night. And at the end, the Devils have to bow down to Johnny and the Predators and hand him that golden fiddle and say, you know what? We've been beat. Here's your prize. I love it. I love it. That's a great song, by the way. Great analogy. Great one word. That may be one of our top one words for this whole season. Hard to beat mashed potatoes from the other day. Uh, look, they are fantastic. I know I know it doesn't sound right, but they're fantastic. I want to hear more. <laughs> yeah. We can turn this into like Locked On Chopped or something like that. There you go. Locked On we, Hockey slash Cooking. Yeah, we have an off season ahead. We will need some <laughs> content. We will gladly break down Chopped with you guys. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. It does feel like we should talk some hockey, though, and there's certainly a lot from this game to take away. Uh, Again, like we've been teasing throughout the episode, some post-game comments on that meeting uh, that happened last weekend. And do you think that's a turning point? We'll dive back into that question. Have you seen enough from these last three games to make you convinced that maybe the Predators have turned a corner? Thanks to what was said last week. More to get into in just a second. But first, want to mention today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. Championship weekend. This weekend, AFC, NFC. We're going to find out who's going to go to the Super Bowl. And it's just in time that we're launching our new sports betting partner for Locked On. They're the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. And if you're a new customer, you can join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. All you have to do is place a $5 bet. Yep. If you're doing math, $5 gets you $150 in free bets guaranteed all you have to do is sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props you can bet on things like who's going to score the first touchdown over under the amount of passing yards for joe burrow maybe patrick mahomes gets a rushing touchdown at some point all things that you can bet on this weekend and you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet today to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL, and now the official betting partner 
of the Locked On Podcast Network. So let's go back to the game last night, Anne. And again, it is the Predators' big guns that stepped up and really carried this team, which has become a theme over the past three games. Yeah, very interesting because if you think back before these last three games, before that Saturday meeting, the veterans were kind of struggling and you were seeing some of the more fringe guys trying to kind of pull wins together. And this team was relying so much on UC Soros in net to get wins where they were just hanging on and hoping These last three games, what you've seen, and you saw it again last night, like you said, where these veterans were pushing this team to a win. You know, you had goals, like you said, from Matt Duchesne, from Philip Forsberg, from Mikhail Granlund. And look, these goals were not glamorous goals necessarily. You know, Mikhail Granlund absolutely just cleaning up the trash in front of the net. Cody Glass had a power play goal, which can we just talk about Cody Glass's, you know, run right now. Um, so this was a game where this team, the veterans, but also, you know, some of these other younger guys really stepped up and they're doing whatever it takes to win these games. They're not looking for that perfect shot. They're not looking for that perfect pass. They are looking to put the puck in the net, whether it is pretty or whether it is not. And I think that's making such a huge difference. When you build that offensive momentum, you let UC Soros breathe a little bit. And, you know, he deserves that. He's carried this team in too many games. What we're seeing now is these players stepping up offensively. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's what you need. That's what we needed before the season because we talked about it, and it seems like the Predators did fix some things from last year. You know, they got some of that depth, you know, with adding guys like Nino Niederreiter, just the biggest thing that wasn't going for them this season was just a lot of the guys that had big seasons last year were taking huge step backs. Uh, You mentioned Michael Grant or Mikhail Granlin. That's a guy who was, you know, we talked about being absolutely abysmal in this season, looked like a shell. And he's got, you know, a goal in, he had a goal against the devils, a really good grit goal. He had two points against the Kings the other night. That's a guy that's heating up. Uh, Matt Duchesne, a two point night last night, a goal and assist. That is a guy that has been under fire a lot. He now has four points in his last three games since that team meeting. Uh, And, you know, you just go up and down the lineup. Ryan Johansson, another guy. And that is a big guy because, you know, that is somebody who has been in the crosshairs for a lot of Preds fans for quite some time. And now over the last three games, he has heated up as well. Yeah. And you're looking at the players, like you said, who have been in the crosshairs, the uh, underperformers, something has happened that has gotten them back to their game. Last night, Matt Duchesne was talking, you know, just about sort of how these last three games have gone. And he referred back to that St. Louis Blues game last Thursday night. And let's face it, that was probably one of the worst performances we've seen from the Nashville Predators this season. And one of the worst performances we've seen from some of those veterans who have underperformed. And Matt Duchesne said something very interesting. He said, you know, that game, he's like, we came out, we just laid an egg, but I think it may have been a blessing in disguise. And you see the difference from that performance. You know, that was one of Roman Yossi's worst games I think I've seen. It was just not good. And then you look at, okay, these past three games, you look at players like Duchesne, Johansson, Granlin, Yossi, and 
they've just elevated their game. These last three games, you're looking at a different veteran core, different performance. And I think not only does that improve their stats, but when your veterans and your leadership are playing the way they are now, that affects the whole team. That affects, you know, these younger guys. That affects, you know, your bottom six guys too. And you're seeing fruit of that. And you saw it last night against the New Jersey Devils. It was such a good game. Yeah. And Ryan Johansson, we mentioned, one of the guys that had a big voice. Again, he's been a guy that's in the crosshairs. A lot of people in that mm-hmm. locker room during the postgame talked about uh, Johansson and kind of, uh, you know, being one of the loudest voices during that team meeting. Uh, I think he said it was Matt Duchesne who's like, uh, I don't know if I want to say what he said, <laughs> but let's just say it resonated. Uh, yeah. John Hines kind of talked about Johansson's role in all of that. Let's hear what John Hines had to say. Yeah, I thought it, he did, uh, no, he did a nice job. I thought that uh, he said some things that, that, um, I think we're from the heart that we're very truthful that aren't aren't sometimes easy to say for a player to to other guys. He did a good job and you know, I think it's really twofold. You can have a meeting like that so so you need a guy like Joey to be able to stand up and put himself out there. Uh but I also think he was backed up in the meeting by other guys in the leadership group which is important because that needs to be a, a a pact. Uh and then also I think from that is is the action. The action from the team from the players themselves for each other from that meeting is what really was the difference in the results. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to have a closed door meeting like that. Tell everybody that, you know, Hey, you're not doing your job. I'm not doing my job. We got to take a step forward, which, you know, we hear a lot, you know, from coaches and players, you know, after bad losses like that, it's like, Oh yeah. You know, we just got to get better, but you know, it's just kind of, seems like the right thing to say so Mm -hmm. i think the key thing that john hines said there is action you know you're seeing not just the results and because the results are certainly one thing and you're seeing better quality play but that's you know certainly another thing it's the effort to me these past three games is i it has been since probably last season that i have seen all of the predators really engage for 60 minutes, you know, diving, making hits, you know, really getting in the puck, swarming the net, just kind of this laser focus. It has been a long time Mm -hmm. uh, since I have seen all of the Preds, it seems like kind of firing on that same cylinder in terms of effort. Yeah, I agree. And John Hines said kind of the word for this season so far has been inconsistency. And what you've seen, and I know it's a small sample size in an 82-game season, but what you've seen in these last three games is a laser focus for this team. And I think so much of that comes from the team internally. You know, yes, you can point to some things that the Predators are doing on ice that have improved their play. They are much more responsible with the puck when they're exiting the zone. They're limiting their turnovers. They're getting in front of the net. They're getting tip-in goals. Of course, they're getting great goaltending from Soros. You know, the power play was really good last night. But so much of that, I think, is the byproduct of that meeting where these players are vulnerable enough to stand up and share what they're feeling and what they're thinking and holding each other accountable. There's there's something really important about what happened on Saturday. Yes, 
on ice product improved. But I think when you bring the team together like that, when you have a player like Ryan Johansson, who is a leader, who, you know, everybody looks up to, who is kind of sort of the heart, he's the funkel of the team. Everybody loves him. Yeah. You know, he is charismatic. He, you know, all of that. When you have somebody stand up and be willing to be vulnerable and share whatever it is he shared, because Matt Duchesne's like, that ain't for you. Yeah. That ain't for you. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Ain't but, for you. But Anne, wasn't isn't it key that it's also Ryan Johansson too because of the perception of the fans? I mean, what's yeah. been the thing for Ryan Johansson? It's like, yeah, he's a good, like he's a pretty good player. He's fun. It's just like it just seems like he's kind of like you know aloof, not engaged. Yes. Uh, people have used the word lazy uh, with him, that kind of thing. So isn't it fitting that it just seems like of a lot of the people who talked, he's the one that a lot of teammates have singled out. And it's like, it's what he said, like what yes. he said. Yes. That was one of the biggest things I took away from the meeting. Yes. And, you know, that was from Roman Yossi. That was Matt Duchesne. That was Yuso Parson. And I mean, that was John Hines saying, look, Ryan Johansson is the one who stepped up and you hear it all the time. Like you said, $8 million Ryan Johansson. Oh, he has two gears. There's regular season Johansson and then there's playoff Johansson. And whatever was said, however, whatever he felt like he needed to share, it resonated with this group. And it's so important that it comes from somebody like that. As much as I adore, you know, Cody Glass, Tommy Novak, Yuso Parson, and you have to have your leadership. You have to have a leader. You have to have a veteran willing to stand up and put themselves out there. So kudos to Ryan Johansson, whatever he said. Yeah. Hit the nail on the head. Yeah. More of that. Um, and have you seen enough from the past few games to, I mean, maybe not a definitive statement because mm -hmm. this is the national predators. We're talking about. <laughs> but you know, and somebody else, you know, pointed this out. It's like since, you know, the Predators had that five-game losing streak kind of at the start of December. And since then, so this includes some of the rough losses they've had over the past, you know, month or so. Since then, you know, the Predators, if you took their record and put it on an 82-game pace, it would be like a 108-point pace that they're playing on. Mm -hmm. Have you seen enough? Not just over like the past, you know, three games, but have you seen enough positivity over, you know, the last month or so to make you think, okay, this team really is turning a corner? I have thought this team from from the the start of the season, if you look at this roster, this is a good roster. This is a talented roster. So I have thought, hey, this is a team with potential. What we haven't seen is consistency through the season. What we're seeing now makes me think if you can pull this together, this is a playoff contender team. Yeah. Again, though, the theme of the season has been inconsistency, inconsistency right? you know? It, so, it is, you know, we, we break down like the games like by weeks. And it's like, oh, this was a rough week. This was a good week. This is mm -hmm. a rough week or this was a rough game. Um it, it, so it was a little bit eye-opening to go back and kind of see, you know, the actual stats since mm -hmm. the Preds kind of started turning things around. It's like, okay, there's been definitely some inconsistencies in there, but overall, like, the Preds record is pretty good over the past, like, 
you know, month, month and a half. Like they're like, it's you obviously inconsistencies in there, but you take the big scope of it. Right. And it's like, this is not only a playoff team, like the way they've been, like the wins they have in some of like, you know, like the stretches in there, it's like, that's not only a win that's like in contention for division title type of pace. Yeah. And yeah, I, I guess, you know, I'm not saying that the Predators are going to wind up winning the central division at the end of this year, but it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, if you take a step back and look at the big picture, maybe not game by game, like we usually do. Right. I mean, it's, you have to be encouraged, right? They're trending in the right direction. And what we've seen in these last three games, the intensity, the focus of the team, the execution of the team, definitely trending in the right direction. My question for you is, how do you carry that momentum from these last three games across this break and bring it back? Like, what is the challenge there? And do you think the Predators can come back and play as well as we've seen them play these last three games. How are they going to do that? Yeah, because remember, they don't do good uh, don't. with extended breaks uh, over. We, we've kind of noticed that over the past yeah. little bit. <laughs> um, it hinges back on that one word and effort. Mm. Like, I think it's like if the Predators make an effort each game, if we're seeing that same sort of giant group effort, where not only the team is engaged, but it just seems like all the individual players are playing up to their potential, then yeah, absolutely, this team can carry that momentum. It's going to be a long road to get there, though. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, you hope the Predators have some stuff in store, you know, that they, they, they kind of remember this week when they come back uh, in two weeks to play again. You hope they remember it, but again, like we said before, this is the Nashville Predators we're talking about. Yeah, They could make a giant run towards the postseason. They could absolutely fall off a cliff in oh, the gosh. second half of the season. It is just, you know, that's <laughs> that's just our experience following this team. It's just you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, And it makes it tough, Ann, because – and here's here's just kind of the bad news we haven't really touched on yet. Alexander Carrier out four to six weeks now uh, with a upper body injury. Didn't say it was from that Logan Stanley fight. Uh, He did play five shifts after that fight, Mm -hmm. but uh, left right kind of before the end of the first period. Big loss, and for sure. Huge. And the Predators recalled Kevin Gravel from Milwaukee, and he jumped in last night. And look, kudos to him. You you come in um, and you're playing defense against the New Jersey Devils and Jack Hughes. You know, this is not nothing. He played on the third line with Dante Fabro. And I thought Gravel had a really good game. He had four shots on goals. He had three blocked shots, a couple of hits. Um, it was a big ask for him, but I feel like he came in and did well. But again, like you said, you're going to go through this break. The Predators are going to have to hit the ground running, and you're going to do it without one of your best defensemen in one of the best defensive pairings that the Predators have, and a really good pairing when you look across the entire league in Ekholm and um, Carrier. So down the stretch, Carrier's absence may be a bigger problem. I wonder 
with it being four to six weeks, if that's going to affect what the predators do or don't do at the trade deadline, depending on how they come out of this break, if they carry this same momentum, you know, back into the season after the all-star break, you know, what, what is missing Carrier going to do with, you know, David Poyle's plans if the Predators look like they're headed into the postseason, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you think you have a shot, I mean, it would seem like you maybe kick the tires on a few defensemen, but it's also, you know, who's out there? You know, Jacob Chikrin's right. the the big, big name on the market, but I just, you know, number one, I don't think the Predators have the cap space for mm-hmm. him right now without making another big trade. Right. I'm not sure you want to do that this season. Uh, I would not touch John Klingberg this season with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> and it's like, just, I don't know who else is out there. You know, yeah. maybe somebody like David Savard from Montreal who, you know, he hasn't had a best season, but if, you know, if you can turn Jeremy Lazan into a reclamation project, I mean, you can certainly find a way to use, you know, David Savard for, you know, what, two, three months, something like that. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't know who else is out there, but you know, if, if, like I said, if, if things get better for the Nashville predators, like if they do, if this for some reason is a turning point and they turn the corner, I feel like you have to kick, uh, you know, a few tires out there as well. Uh, Were you surprised that it was Jeremy Lazan that got bumped up to play with Matias Ekholm and not Dante Fabro? A little bit. I wasn't sure what they were going to do there, but I was a little bit surprised because Fabro and Ekholm have a little bit more history together, having played together, I think. It's not great history, but... I'm not saying it's great history, but they've met. You know, they've met. I will say this. I thought Jeremy Lazan had a really good game last night, defensively. And then he had that one play, and it was like in a basketball game where he totally, like, deked and broke the guy's ankles, and that was amazing. The crowd went wild at Bridgestone Arena, which is not a play that you would naturally attribute to Jeremy Lazan, but there he was. Yeah. But really good defensive game, I think, across the board. But, yeah, I was a little bit surprised, weren't you? Yeah, a little bit. Uh you know, I look and it's like Jeremy or uh, Dante Fabro only had like 14 minutes of ice time last night after mm-hmm. one of your top four defensemen go down. Um, I mean, this is all speculative, so nobody take this as like me breaking news or anything like that. But it just seems like there's something going on with Dante Fabro, yeah, uh, right now, where it just doesn't seem like he is exactly. Uh, John Hines's favorite go-to option, so to speak. Yeah, he's been a healthy scratch a couple times. And so I think he's, you know, working working out of something, hopefully. They're going to need him to work out of it, whatever it is. Because, again, with Carrier gone, this defense, they're, they're missing a big piece. So let's, let's go, guys. Yeah, well, it should be an interesting uh, return to action for the Nashville Predators. As we mentioned before, the next Nashville Predators game is February 7th at home against the Vegas Golden Knights, which, hey, if you're going to jump right back, oh, why not is. on some of the best, one of the best teams in the Western Conference while you're at it? Uh, yeah, there we have the All-Star break before then. Uh, we have some season looks before then. So, hey, the Preds may not be doing much, but we'll still be here on the Locked on Predators podcast, and we'll have new episodes for you next week. And where can people find your work? 
You can find my work online at insidethepreds.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice. You can find me at onthefourcheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. And be sure to follow the show as well, LO underscore Predators. However you're listening to us right now, whether you're streaming us on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcasting platform like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, whatever, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you'll always know when we have fresh content out for you. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. We'll see you then.